Blue South is a Southern-born podcast looking to address today's politically charged world and the importance of inclusion, redefining the establishment, and true equality for all. I'm Megan. I'm Adele. Together, we We are are Blue Blue South. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode six. Hey, everyone. Just so you know, Flint, Michigan has been without clean water for 1,528 days. But our federal government, instead of helping Flint, Michigan, can't afford to build a wall, have a military shelf parade for Donald Trump, pay for Mar-a-Lago trips, and arm teachers instead of changing laws. But that's just some light stuff for now. Today, we got a few things that we want to talk about, rage about, such as Supreme Court Justice Kennedy resigning and what that means for reproductive rights the end of pride month which means the end of rainbow capitalism keeping families together rally and the poor people's campaign let's take it from the top with the supreme court justice kennedy he is leaving which basically means that donald trump will be able to appoint a justice of his choosing for a lifetime appointment and knowing donald trump it's probably going to be somebody uber conservative super pro-life Um, young, because again, it is a lifetime appointment, so he would naturally want this person to be on the Supreme Court for a while. Um, But what I'm worried about, you know, as a woman living in America, not, you know, not only will they possibly turn Roe v. Wade um, and eliminate access to abortion, but what does that mean for other facets of reproductive justice? Like, will we lose our rights as pregnant women when we're carrying babies? Um, will we lose access to birth control? How will we be treated? You know, do you guys feel that way? May the Lord open. <laughs> it's just really scary. Uh, feels pretty Handmaid's Tale-ish, you know? So the the con- conservative uh, viewpoint here is, is pro-life, obviously. But once you're born and say that life started in Mexico then coming over here and being put in a cage is totally fine. They're not in cages, Adele. They're in tents. I just don't understand if you're just pro-birth. But when people go to jail, their families get taken away from them anyway. But even pro-life, okay, so they abolish abortion. What are they going to do to take care of these kids that are born? Nothing. Because we see it now with the health care for anyone. I mean, it's... It's very, very crappy, especially in our state. I mean, conservatives don't want to take care of babies after birth, and they don't want to take care of moms during birth. The only thing they're concerned after. about, or after, you're totally right. They don't want to fund Medicaid, which, or they don't ever want to, like, you know, refund CHIP here in Alabama. We don't want to put that in the budget. And all of those things serve to support moms and babies. And, like, we don't give a shit about moms and babies after the baby is out of the womb. And again, like to Adele's point, the fact that we're literally caging children and separating them away from their families, not only is like the psychological, like the psychological impact of that alone (coughs) is enough to make me sick to my stomach. But could you, can you just like, can we just think about how fucked up that is? You know, that like our country is doing that. And when you, Joey, when you were talking about how the, like the appointment will probably be somebody young. Thinking about all the conservative young men right now, all I think about are people like Richard Spencer types who are like alt-right, scary, believe in like a white ethno state. And then I just think about how that mindset 
could possibly like play a role in like in Supreme Court cases that have to do with women's rights or abortion or you know anything pertaining to women. It's just it's scary. Well, this whole thing's scary. Yeah, this country is scary. Trump's so unpredictable. <laughs> yeah, but I can just see him just appointing someone young and very, very, very far to the right. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. not what our country needs right now. A fundamentalist. Yeah, we just gotta hope that Ruth Bader Ginsburg keeps doing those push-ups and planks. She's got to stay healthy. You need her there. <laughs> she does. It's a Ruth Bader Ginsburg workout. Have you guys heard of that? She has like her own workout book. I'm going to check it out because I was just reading a thing. That's cool. It said men should be able to plank for two minutes. <laughs> and if you can't plank for two minutes, you're either too fat or too weak. I'm just like, oh boy. I don't even think I can get a minute. I'm up to a minute and a half. I just started yeah. two days ago. But I was like, that's crazy. Planking for two minutes, that's a long time. And yeah. it's boring. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm super arrogant to think that I could just do that right now. You probably could. You that probably could. I kind of want you to now. Like I got this beer gut on me that I'm trying to get off. So I was like, oh boy, I, I fall in both categories on this. <laughs> I did 10 V-ups yesterday and felt done. So I get it. I just, if you don't like abortions, then don't get one. Yeah. End of story. Also, and if women are pregnant, don't say anything about it. Don't tell them what they can and cannot do. And if you're pro-life, you have to really be pro-life. You can't just be pro-birth. And, you know, another thing, like, I see when we talk about, you know, family separation, like you brought up, the kids at the border, a lot of the arguments I see from people online are the things that I was saying, like, they're intense. Or, you know, when somebody in America goes to jail, we take them from their family. I've seen people say stuff. They shouldn't come here. You know, they're, they knowingly walked into this kind of thing and, like, there's so many nuances that people are missing. You know, I, first of all, can't believe we're desensitized enough to accept the fact that even if they were just tense, we're okay with separating kids from their families and leaving them in tents. Like a lot of these border patrol agents have been ordered not to contact with the kid, like not to have contact with the kids, not to comfort them in any way. That alone is scary enough. And then to say things like families are separated when people go to jail anyway, like, yeah, you're right, but DHR takes care of where those kids go. The families have a say-so in where the kids go. They're not gone forever. Well, let's break it down a little bit, too, because we are, as a society, this is what we know. Yeah. We're not living in a third-world country like these guys, and they're not. it's not usually people coming over the border directly from Mexico. Yeah. They are traveling thousands of miles to get here, and they are living in a shithole. There was but, one guy uh, from Honduras, to your point, Joey. He was an older white guy, said he lived in Honduras, and he didn't understand why people were leaving. He was an older white guy who lived in a condo on the beach in Honduras. Well, that yeah, there's a big difference. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever been to one of these countries, you would understand why they're leaving. Clint Smith on, on Twitter, his Twitter handle, at Clint. Clint Smith III. I've said it before, but it can't be said enough. So many of the people seeking refuge in the United States wouldn't be doing so in the first place if the U.S. hadn't engaged in decades of imperialism that destabilized these countries' political systems and fractured their economies. And I just don't feel like um, conservatives even like even acknowledge that that is a thing. I think part of it is that some of them literally do not understand that it is a thing because the history that we teach in school about our relations with other countries is like so whitewashed and so friendly 
You know, like how we celebrate Thanksgiving. I would Thanksgiving. Think it worse because now they're stopping it for history at a certain period. So there was a lady who taught out in Colorado and pretty much an all-black school. Mm-hmm. And she said, I cannot teach this curriculum because what I teach them is where they came from. And she teaches the history of Africa before we really knew Africa. And she threw out like a bunch of names that I had no idea who they were. It was because I didn't get taught that, but they're taking that away from the kids and making her teach a certain era. I mean, it's just ridiculous how... Do you know what era? Like That I don't know, but they're... There's such a big influence when it comes to education and politics. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And a lot of, you know, I've even heard a lot of my own peers say things, like, at least in regard to African-American students and African-Americans in general, like, about slavery, you know, like, some slaves liked being slaves, or some slaves had it well, and it's like, if you were a fucking slave in general, you were not living the life. You were being exploited for free labor. Well, the problem, too, with, like, people saying that is, their arguments would probably be like, well, they're slaves, they didn't know. Yeah. They didn't know any different, so what does it really matter? Slavery was good for the economy. But they didn't really get to live a true American life. No, not at all. And they were considered three-fifths a person. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that's the American dream for anybody. No, not not at all. So it's the end of Pride Month. Uh, It's June 30th now. And so the end of Pride Month marks the end of Rainbow Capitalism Month. And I don't know if you guys know what rainbow capitalism is, but basically it's a term used to describe from a critical perspective the incorporation of the LGBTQIA plus movement to capitalism and the market economy. Um, Basically, in layman's terms, big corporations pretend to be allies to LGBT people, but don't do anything to, like, give LGBT people rights or power within these corporations, within our economy. Um, There's no legislation to support that LGBT people have a lot of rights or the rights they deserve as human beings. So they make money knowing that they're not doing anything basically they're not doing enough like google yeah google's a great example yeah you guys watch any of peter coffin's videos nope he um he did one about a week ago about pride ipsy and youtube and it's called adversaries number 71 um and they talk about pride capitalism and basically like you know youtube you can you can as a person, just, you know, create this content and put it out on YouTube, but then, you know, you're not being paid for your labor. And like YouTube's like, hey, Pride Month, you know, flags, we're so happy. Everyone gets to be represented, but these people that are creating content are not being reimbursed, reimbursed or paid for their work, for their labor. That benefits YouTube. Um, Instagram a really shitty thing came out about them shadow banning prominent like queer, gay, lesbian, trans members of the Instagram community um, over like their pride pictures. Like they were losing engagement and being shadow banned over their pride pictures because some of the, like some images might've contained like a little more skin than somebody would want to see. I don't know. But I thought that was really strange, you know? Like, why? What's the point? What's the point of doing that? I always feel like that answer is always nine times out of ten, money. Yeah. Well, big corporations, that's all it's about is money. 
But corporations are people too. They are. That's right. <laughs> what was that guy's name? Who said that? Uh, he ran for president in 2012. He was on the Republican side. His name just like escaped me. Binders full of women guy. Yes. Um, Who was it? Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney. You know, honestly, right now I miss Mitt Romney. <laughs> like, I wish Mitt Romney had run for president in 2016. But then again, who knows? It could be just as bad, just under the rug and not so obvious. There's so many people I wish we were in 2016. <laughs> Ron Paul. Ron Paul is a guy yeah. that I would take at this point. Colin Pell. Newt that's, Gingrich. That's the guy I always thought Get would be a great... Get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, Newt Gingrich. <laughs> Beth had a llama that spit on Newt Gingrich. <laughs> Up there, at the Ohio Fair. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, New Gingrich is trash. <laughs> okay. Um, so I was watching the Jimmy Dore show on YouTube, and he had a guy on there talking about the Poor People's Campaign, and they had a really cool video. Um, basically, t- like, it was about, um, I sent you guys a video. Did you guys watch it? I don't remember getting a video from you. Recently, liars. <laughs> you Let me just double check. <laughs> yes, I will not be ignored. <laughs> I think you did send a video. I did, and no one responded. It was like right after the birth of the child. I need to stop opening these messages when I'm like before eight p.m. Because if I open it before eight and I'm with Nat, <coughs> I won't watch it or read it, and then I just forget about it after. Um. So over the past two years, the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival, has reached out to communities in more than 30 states across this nation. We have met with tens of thousands of people witnessing the strength of their moral courage in trying times. We have gathered testimonies from hundreds of poor people, and we have chronicled their demands for a better society. The following moral agenda is drawn from the deep engagement and commitment to these struggles of the poor and the dispossessed. Did I say that word right? Dispossessed? Mm-hmm. It is also grounded in an empirical assessment of how we have come to this point today. The soul of poor folks auditing America report reveals how the evils of systemic racism, poverty, ecological devastation, and the war economy and militarism are persistent, pervasive, and perpetuated by a distorted moral narrative that must be challenged. So this was something that um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was putting together um, in the final months before he was assassinated. And it was basically rallying all of you know, everyone, it didn't matter your color. It didn't matter your gender. Um, you know, sexuality wasn't even on the table for discussion back then, but, um, it basically, you know, if you can die for your country, then your country can, you know, give, not even give back, but just lift, you know, lift our society up as a whole that people are hurting all over. And, you know, our our political parties and our government have us fighting over crumbs while we're standing next to the entire pie. Yeah. 
Um, so this is be- like. And they distract us with various things, you know? It's, I think, like, the Poor People's Campaign is the very epitome of, like, what the song This Is America means. Have you guys heard that song by Childish Gambino? The vi- You have to watch the video. Like, Yes, I've heard the song. Yes, I've seen the video. Sorry. So you get it. Yes. But basically, uh, Joey, he's rapping about a lot of different things going on in the country. And in the video, like, black men are being shot, various different, like, social justice issues are like present in the video but the beat is really good and really flashy and just basically like they're dancing all of the troubles away as like a distraction does that make sense mm-hmm. am i making sense mm-hmm. i don't feel like i ever explain it very well but um like i see it in my head i'm trying to say it um but like the song is this is america and like almost every after every sentence he's like this is america and it's just like wow he's so right that's so fucking true you know but to Adele's defense, she did send it 13 days ago at 10.46 p.m. <laughs> yes. So I saw this. Um, so he was on the Jimmy Dore show. And um, basically the idea now is that they're trying to rally everyone around. And basically Republican and, and Democrat alike have have lost us, have lost what needs to be done. They have put corporations and big money ahead of, of, you know, the people of this country and what is needed. And they are basically demanding, um, they have a list of demands, but they want to, you know, basically create their own party. You know, the Democrats are losing young people. And I mean, it's not hard to figure out why. Alabama Uh, District 2. Um, but they're, they're out of touch and even like as great as Obama was, there was a lot of shitty things that happened under his presidency and it's hard to not acknowledge those things. And when you're not separating corporations and big money, um, and putting the actual people's needs ahead of profits, then then we have we have no use for you, and the poor people's campaign would be doing that. Um. So on their website, you know, they actually had a rally on the twenty third of June. Um, I don't know if there was anything local. Birmingham people in Birmingham and Montgomery actually do a lot with the poor people's campaign. I know that on Facebook, the Montgomery chapter is always rallying at the Capitol, like weekly at least. And I'm pretty sure a few of them from the Burm- or the Montgomery chapter have gotten arrested um, for protests. And what was Would- the reason for them being arrested? Not pulling the correct permits or... I'm not sure, honestly. On peaceful protests. However, one thing that I do want to talk about when it comes to um, protesting and getting arrested... I've se- I just wanted to like make this like a statement. If you're a white person and you go out to protest with the intention of getting arrested because you think it'll give you like social justice points and make you look like a badass fighting for like your rights, just realize that that's one facet of you being a privileged person because nine times out of ten, you're not going to get charged with anything. It's not even going to come up on your record. It's going to be squashed. And just think about 
that implication of doing that for black people and like for yourselves. See, I love protests and marches, but what I hate about them is just exactly what you said is people go out there looking to cause trouble Yeah, and not all marches and protests. People are looking to cause trouble, but that's what makes the news. And then people, that's what people associate every protest with is exactly. Oh, just a bunch of, black people marching to cause trouble, but that's not really the case because mm-hmm. most of them are out of town people coming in. It's not even people from that city or that town that are getting in trouble. A, a lot of organizations that do activism on that level, they will they will have a meeting beforehand and they will say who can afford to be arrested. Mm-hmm. And there will be a lot of people that cannot afford to do that. And they step up and they step in to take those roles and play those parts. And those other people are there as support. And um, so there was a group up in Sacramento. Did you guys hear about that one? They were having, um, they were holding a session and there were people um, that decided, you know, that they were going to be active and they started uh, singing during the sessions and, you know, the people that had decided that they weren't going to be arrested, you know, were just videotaping and the controversy, the controversy behind that is that like a lot of people got arrested even though they shouldn't have been um and that wasn't their plan but you know you you upset enough people i think that makes sense i know like when we went to the women's march in washington a lot of women on our bus because we went around the bus and we, you know we talked about who we were why we we're there stuff like that and a lot of them were like so ready to fucking get arrested and stuff and even people on our bus I was so glad that somebody said it because before this, I had never even thought about it this way. But one black woman on our bus was like, it's so funny to see white people rallying for social justice, wanting to get arrested when black people just want to live without being arrested. And I just think that's like, fuck. Like, she is so right, you know? I think, like, those are the things that I see upsetting, like, members of the black community that white activists can go out and act a certain way like and it just goes and goes and goes to a certain point before they're even arrested for doing something whereas black people at like black lives matter rallies like people are arrested all the time in large numbers for almost nothing but i think like what you said though about organizations that plan ahead to have certain people act a certain way to make a point while other people are videotaping i think that's like very strategic and smart because yeah, there's a lot of really smart people out there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really hard when they when movements grow, you know, ex- your example of the Women's March. Yeah. And it's just, you know, the idea isn't to control a, a large group of people, but at the same time, you're like, you know, we need to stick to the point and we need to stick to, you know, our objective here. Yeah. And um, we could have a whole podcast episode on the problems within the Women's March. Did you know that there were fewer voting rights in 2018 than there were 50 years ago when civil, the Civil Rights Act and Voting Rights Act were passed? Since 2010, 23 states have passed racist voter suppression laws, including racist gerrymandering and restricting laws that make it harder to register, reduced early voting days and hours, purging voter rolls, and more restrictive voter ID laws. Following the Shelby County versus 
holder Supreme Court cases, which gutted, gutted key provisions of the Voting Right Act. 14 states had new voting registration, I'm sorry, voting restrictions in places before the 2016 presidential election, and there were 868 fewer polling places across the country. While these laws have disproportionately targeted black people, at least 17 states saw voter suppression cases targeting American Indians and Alaska, Alaskan Native voters in 2016. 13 states had passed voter suppression laws that also opted out to accept expanded Medicare benefits offered under the Affordable Care Act. Your government doesn't want you to vote. So was that Shelby County in Alabama? Stand by. Because I think they're very, very conservative. So I wouldn't be, I would not be surprised because that's a upper class area. Shelby County versus Holder. Yes, it was in Alabama. I think Shelby County was the county mentioned most often in S Town. Have you listened to that podcast? We started it. Yeah, yeah. Thought, you need to. You have to finish it. It's so good. It's so good. It perfectly like encapsulates everything that's wrong in Shelby County. In Shelby County and in, like, southern states. Like, just without giving too much of it away, it's about an older gay white man who describes his experience living in shit town. Um, Podcast is called S-Town. And, like, he ends up killing himself. And just, like, going through the podcast, it's just, like, all of his grievances with what's wrong with the world. Like, how people, you know, don't believe in climate change because in shit towns like he lived in, people see weather and determine that's what climate change is dependent upon. But, you know, weather and climate are two different things. And that's just, like, an example of one thing that he had an issue with. But it's so relatable. Like, I felt like... God, he's fucking describing Enterprise right now. And, like, you could probably listen to it and think, like, oh, this is Eufaula or parts right. of Eufaula or Dothan. Or... It's really good. It's only, like, six episodes. Super good. I really can't express enough, though, how, how good it is. So that's this week's episode. Uh, sorry we aren't too ranty. We've got a lot of stuff going on. But we will be back in two weeks. Bring in the heat. Peace out. <laughs>